We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 772 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, February 28th, 2024, and we have more major improvements coming to FedEx Field. Announcement from the Commanders on Tuesday morning, quote, Today, the Washington Commanders announced additional upgrades to FedEx Field, bringing targeted investments in improving the stadium and fan and player experience to a total of more than $75 million once completed since new ownership purchased the team in July. The upgrades will be noticeable from the moment fans enter the parking lots and include faster entry into the stadium, new premium seating options and suite experiences, improved food and beverage options, and sound system upgrades. The stadium also will be getting a structural refresh, including upgrades to elevators and escalators, water and mechanical systems, and other infrastructure improvements. End quote. Good to see this. You know, there's a saying, you've probably heard it, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. (laughs) Uh, FedEx Field is a pig. Of that, there is no doubt. FedEx Field may be the single worst stadium in major North American pro sports. But kudos to that new ownership of the commanders, the Josh Harris Group, uh, for trying to make FedEx Field at least palatable, at least decent until the new stadium is up and running. Where that new stadium will be, we do not know. When that new stadium will be, we do not know. Although the fact that the Harris Group is pumping so much money into FedEx Field suggests that it's going to be a while until the new stadium is ready. Here's a question. What will happen first, the Commanders playing in a new stadium or the Capitals and Wizards playing in a new arena in Alexandria, Virginia? The ideas for that arena to be hosting Caps and Wizards games beginning with the team's 2028-2029 seasons. Will the Commanders' new stadium, wherever it is, be good to go by the 2028 NFL season. Uh, That is far from a given. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. What is a given is that we have a lot to talk about. Uh, We on Tuesday at the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis had press conferences for Commanders General Manager Adam Peters and Commanders Head Coach Dan Quinn. And next segment, an extended segment, reaction to and analysis of what Peters and Quinn said regarding the Commanders quarterback situation. Uh, Now that the team's revamping of football operations has been conducted, it is the team's quarterback situation that is the number one item of this offseason. This is, of course, a combine for a 2024 NFL draft in which the commanders have the number two overall pick. We on Tuesday got what would seem to be a very telling answer-ending line From Adam Peters on the Commander's QB1 for most of this past season, Sam Howell. Trust me, you do not want to miss what Peters said about Sam. Uh, We on Tuesday heard from Adam Peters about potentially trading up. 
from 2-1 to one in the 2024 draft. We on Tuesday heard from Dan Quinn on what he most looks for in a quarterback. We on Tuesday heard from Peters and Quinn on what they get out of the combine. All of that and much more next segment. Also on the show, I'll review a busy Tuesday night in Washington, D.C. area sports, though this also was a rough night. Uh, We had the Capitals getting demolished at the Detroit Red Wings 8-3, ending the Caps' five-game point streak. We had our tanking Wizards losing their 12th consecutive game, a 123-112 loss to the Golden State Warriors at Capital One Arena. We had Georgetown basketball getting blasted at Villanova, 75-47, and we had Virginia Tech basketball losing at Syracuse, 84-71. Tuesday night, not a good night in D.C. area sports, but Tuesday afternoon, was a bit different. Before we get to some feedback, what a Tuesday afternoon for the Nationals. A 10-3 exhibition win over the Houston Astros in West Palm Beach, Florida. This game was a festival of top Nats prospects killing it. Dylan Cruz, starting center fielder, one for two with a two-run hustle double, a stolen base, and a diving catch. James Wood, starting right fielder, one for three with a single and a walk. Robert Hassel third, starting left fielder, one for three with a two-run homer. Brady House, he came off the bench, played third base at two for two with a solo homer and a single. Cruz, Wood, Hassel, House, four of the Nats' top position playing prospects. Wood and Hassel have been so good so far this exhibition season. Cruz has done some good things. House had a good game on Tuesday afternoon. We are just four games into the Nats exhibition season. You can never get too worked up over anything that you see in an MLB team's exhibition season, but it is great to see the Nats' top position-playing prospects doing as they are doing. Cruz, Wood, and House each should be making his Major League regular season debut this coming regular season. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Plenty of reaction to our conversation on Tuesday's show, episode 771, with North Carolina football radio analyst, former UNC and former NFL linebacker and former NFL scout, Brian Simmons, who gave us a deep dive on UNC quarterback Drake May, given the potential for the commanders to take him with their number two overall pick in the 2024 draft. Uh, Brian Simmons, a big fan of Drake May. From Paul Evans on X, opinion and evaluation of May are all over the place. Uh, Thank you for that, Paul. You are right. Uh, That's part of why I had Brian Simmons on the show. Now, yes, Brian, as the analyst for radio broadcasts of UNC football games, and as someone who was a star linebacker for UNC, probably isn't going to (laughs) trash Drake May. I get that. Uh, But Brian did work as an NFL scout, and he did acknowledge the weaknesses of May, including the footwork. Uh, I think that a big part of the reason that there is this wide variance of opinion on May is that his good is great, but his bad is maddening. He makes these spectacular plays, but he also has these frustrating misses. The upside with him is sky high, but there is a lack of consistency that needs to be corrected. I mean, consider this. We on this past Friday's show, episode 769, talk with Pro Football Focus senior data analyst and Commanders fan Nick Ackridge. Uh, Nick studies this stuff really closely, works for PFF, has a great understanding of football. Uh, Nick really likes Drake May, called him the 1A to USC's Caleb Williams 1 regarding the best quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. Nick had LSU's Jaden Daniels as the number three quarterback in the 2024 draft. But (laughs) when I asked Nick who among Williams, May, and Daniels has the biggest bust potential, Nick said May. (laughs) So Nick really likes May, but acknowledged that out of Williams, May, and Daniels, May has the biggest bust potential. That was the perfect microcosm of the wide variance of opinion on May. Uh, Email from Larry Sabbath on concerns about some of the commander's assistant coaches, uh, specifically how offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury will mesh with run game coordinator slash running backs coach Anthony Lynn and 
Something about receivers coach Bobby Ingram, writes Larry, the collection of assistant coaches who Dan Quinn assembled is interesting. Setting aside the recent experience of the offensive line coach, I have two concerns. Number one, if Coach Lynn brings in the Shanahan running game, It may not mesh with the new offense. The Shanahan running game requires runs from under center and fast, light offensive linemen due to the wide runs. I don't think that those are features of the Kingsbury offense. Number two, advanced stats have noted the failures of the team's receivers to get separation this past season. Does Bobby Ingram have anything to do with these failures? I don't know, but the alternative is to blame the scheme I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate your email. Uh, Remember this about Cliff Kingsbury. He, at his introductory press conference on February 15th, said that he would not label what he does offensively with the commanders as the air raid. Uh, Maybe he was just paying lip service to those who are worried about the commander's 2024 offense being too pass happy. But maybe he was speaking truth. I do think that we need to be open to the possibility that the Commanders' 2024 offense will be a true blend of the best of what Kingsbury, Anthony Lynn, and the Commanders' new assistant head coach slash offensive pass game coordinator Brian Johnson have done. The Commanders have a lot of offensive brain power in Kingsbury, Lynn, and Johnson. Uh, What should happen is those three putting their egos aside and working together, working for the greater good. And if that happens, Kingsbury, Lynn, and Johnson should be able to come up with an offense that features the best of what they've all done. Uh, A big key is going to be marrying the passing game with the running game. That was an issue for Kingsbury's offenses during his time as Arizona Cardinals head coach. But what if the commanders had an offense that seamlessly blended the best aspects of the air raid, which has forever changed football with the best aspects of the Shanahan running game, which to me is the best style of rushing offense in the NFL? That would be a beautiful thing. Uh, As for Bobby Ingram, look, the fact that he is a holdover from the commander's coaching staff with Ron Rivera as head coach tells you that Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury like what Ingram has done and do not blame him for the struggles of commander's receivers this past season. Uh, The commander's last March 9th announced the hiring of Bobby Ingram as receivers coach. It is true that at least some commander's receivers this past season struggled to get open. The NFL's next-gen stance has a stat called average separation. It is the distance measured in yards between a receiver or tight end and the nearest defender at the time of a target. Both Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson ranked among the worst qualified receivers slash tight ends in the NFL in average separation for the 2023 regular season. Uh, Each was at 2.6. For comparison's sake, number one was Cardinals receiver Rondell Moore at 4.5. You want your average separation to be in the fours or at least threes. Uh, Terry's and Jahan's were in the twos. Uh, Now, Receiver Curtis Samuel and tight end Logan Thomas were in the threes. Uh, Each had an average separation for the 2023 regular season of 3.3. But it does not seem that Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury blame Bobby Ingram for the problems of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson in getting open this past season. The blame may well be on the team's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator for this past season, Eric Bieniemy. And as you may recall, Terry McLaurin in a session with reporters this past September September 27th talked about the concept of spacing in Eric Bieniemy's offense. And these comments opened people's eyes to the idea that it was perhaps the scheme that was hindering the likes of Terry and Jahan Dodson from getting open. Take a listen to what Terry said again. This is from this past September 27th, and you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider J.P. Findlay of NBC4. Spacing is very important in this offense to where um, you may you can run the route with some freedom, but at the same time, you, you can't deviate too much from where you're supposed to be in the spot and because the quarterback is depending on that kind of timing. So um, it's been an adjustment, but at the same time, it's, it's just on us to execute the game plan. How has the spacing felt through three weeks? Um, I mean, I think we've had some good. We've had some bad. I think uh, when you're in a detail-oriented offense like this, when the spacing is off, the play is nine times out of ten probably not successful and it takes all the receivers all the skill guys whoever's out on that concept at the time to be in the right space 
in the right split, taking the right depths, um, reading the coverages because your 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 routes can change predicated on the, the coverage. So it's it's very detail oriented. So we really got to trust each guy to be studying their film, knowing their assignment, and going out there and executing. Because if you're not, then I'm in Jahan's zone or I'm in Curtis's zone, uh, and I'm off, and that throws off the whole play. I thought that that was interesting from Terry McLaurin. Perhaps this issue of spacing was behind his and Jahan Dodson's average separations and not being so good. Uh, But again, Curtis Samuels and Logan Thomas's average separations were pretty good. Uh, And I would note this about the commander's new offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson. Yes, he's coming off a two-season run as New York Giants offensive line coach that did not go well. There's no disputing that. But he, prior to his time with the Giants, had a three-season run as the Buffalo Bills offensive line coach. And the Bills, for each of those regular seasons, 2019 through 2021, were top nine in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate. Uh, Johnson's Giants offensive lines were bad, but his Bills offensive lines were very good in terms of pass blocking. Uh, Did have issues in run blocking. That is true. Well, we always hope that you and your life have no issues, but if you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, or if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, always know that the great law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 edition. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith is unethical and his or her counsel or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you are listening to this podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast with a star rating. Five star ratings are greatly appreciated. They help us out a lot. Thank you for doing them. So we on Tuesday at the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis had the first of two days of press conferences for NFL teams, executives, and head coaches. Commander's General Manager Adam Peters and Commander's Head Coach Dan Quinn each did a press conference on Tuesday. Peters' press conference started around 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Quinn's press conference started around 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, There was a good bit with each press conference. Heck, there were even post-press conference sessions. Uh, Peters, in a post-press conference session with reporters on Tuesday, said that the commanders will not be applying a franchise tag or transition tag this offseason. No surprise there, but that now is on record. Uh, It is from February 20th to March 5th. 
at 4 p.m. Eastern that NFL teams can slap (laughs) franchise and transition tags on players. So what I'm going to do is use this show to discuss what Adam Peters and Dan Quinn on Tuesday had to say about the commander's quarterback situation, or at least things that were said that are relevant to the commander's quarterback situation. Because there was a lot regarding the commander's quarterback situation. And then I, on Thursday's show, episode 773, will get into the various other topics that were addressed by Peters and Quinn on Tuesday. There is no need to rush through this stuff. Let's take our time. Let's pace ourselves uh, and have proper conversations about what our new GM and new head coach had to say. By the way, some quarterback news regarding the combine. North Carolina quarterback Drake May, as expected, reportedly will not be participating in throwing drills for quarterbacks at the Combine. The quarterback drills are happening this Saturday. Uh, May joins the other two of the perceived top three quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, USC's Caleb Williams and LSU's Jaden Daniels, as reportedly not participating in at least throwing drills. Uh, NFL insider Josina Anderson of CBS Sports, she in a post on X on Tuesday morning said that she's been told that May will only be doing physicals and interviews at the Combine. So that would mean that he is not running a 40-yard dash. Uh, I have not seen whether Williams or Daniels will run a 40. Uh, But yes, the quarterbacks, the commanders have the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft, what is believed to be a very good NFL draft for quarterbacks. This was Dan Quinn on Tuesday evening on the significance of the Combine. The best parts of the Combine are those interactions with the players. And so the on-field stuff is easy to see now. It's on high-def TV. You can see movement to stuff, but getting to know you know the ball the ball player what he's about what's his why what are the things that drives him if there was something that had jammed him up in the past you know who would be coming with them you know if they moved to the city just knowing their family backgrounds and it's very complex for a player coming out today and there's they've been exposed to NIL um, deals from college they've been exposed to transfer portals and so I think the player who's coming out today they have a probably a deeper story in some aspects than others do. And uh, I think it makes those connections even more important to find out why'd you stay when everybody said to go or you weren't the starter. And I think those kind of examples of resilience and finding ways or conversely, a player that had to go to another place to find their opportunity. There's just more stories and more depth to it, Nikki. So I think uh, that to me is where it is. The evaluations with Adam and his, and his guys on the physical traits of the players, that's going to stay consistent no matter where we're at. But finding who the person is inside the helmet, you know, inside the ribcage, that starts in moments like now. All right. And this was Adam Peters on Tuesday morning on what he gets out of the combine regarding quarterbacks. The, the biggest thing in the combine, the two biggest things, are everybody says it, it's the uh, it's the medical portion, which that's, I'm not a part of that. I just see it all the results, and then the interviews. And we're going to interview a lot of quarterbacks as well as a lot of other players here. So, um, so that's really the the first touch point that we'll have with these guys. I haven't met any of them in person, and really excited to meet them. We're going to meet some tonight, some tomorrow, and and that's just the beginning of the process in terms of that. That's a huge part of really any position is. is getting to know the person that's that's where we've always found and in scouting you you make the biggest mistakes more so on the person than the actual talent I think we're all here for a reason in in terms of being talent evaluators everybody in our staff but understanding what what makes the person tick and how they'll fit in your locker room and your particular culture is is the biggest thing where you can make mistakes on Interesting to hear Adam Peters say what he said about the importance of accurately evaluating quarterbacks and draft prospects in general as people. Quote, you make the biggest mistakes more so on the person than the actual talent. End quote. I think that there's a lot of truth in that. You think about the last two quarterbacks on whom Washington has spent first round picks. Robert Griffin III with the number two overall pick in the 2012 draft and the late Dwayne Haskins with the number 15 overall pick in the 2019 draft. 
Neither guy worked out. There were multiple reasons for each guy not working out, but talent was not the biggest reason for either guy not working out. A major reason, maybe the biggest reason for each guy not working out was immaturity, which was manifested in different ways. Robert insisted on not playing the style that brought him so much success in his 2012 rookie season. Dwayne did not demonstrate the work ethic that you want and almost certainly need from a QB1. Each guy had plenty of talent, but who each guy was as a person during his time with Washington was a problem. Uh, RG3 and Dwayne Haskins are two of many examples of first-round quarterbacks who ultimately did not work out. Uh, We all know this, but the hit rate on first-round quarterbacks is low. Uh, I, on this podcast, have done the exercise of determining the hit rate on first-round quarterbacks in recent NFL history, Uh, and what we've come up with is a hit rate of less than 40%. Uh, This was Adam Peters on Tuesday morning on why the first round hit rate on quarterbacks in NFL drafts isn't higher. Gosh, if I knew that answer, I'd be uh, somewhere else probably, retired. Um, I think the the gist of it is it's people evaluating people, and especially when it comes to that position, uh, there's so much more that goes into it. Besides the tape, you know, if you're evaluating a defensive end, you know, I think we all can see what Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett looks like. And the quarterback, there's so much nuance that goes into it besides the talent and the skill set and the arm strength and all that. So, uh, with really quarterback or any position, um, you're always, there's always a, you're, it's people evaluating people. So, it's going to, you're going to make mistakes. And it's a matter of if you have a better hit rate, really, that's the draft, is to try to hit as, on as many as you can. And um, the more hits you have, whether it's the first round pick or the seventh round pick or anywhere in between, that's how you build your team. And a major hit of a seventh round pick that Adam Peters was very much a part of was the San Francisco 49ers taking quarterback Brock Purdy with the very last pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, You know, there may be no bigger indictment of how bad (laughs) the NFL is at drafting quarterbacks than the fact that the best quarterback from the 2022 draft was the last pick of the 2022 draft. Uh, Adam Peters, a Niners executive from January 2017 to January 2024. He was their vice president of player personnel from January 2017 to February 2021. He was their assistant general manager from February 2021 to January 2024. Peters with the Niners was part of many great draft picks, but perhaps none greater than Brock Purdy, who for the 2023 regular season was number one among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR. Adam Peters on Tuesday morning on drafting Brock Purdy. Yeah, really with Brock, um, he was... He's always composed. He was always like he is now. He's the same guy every day. And really, we, his tape was what really turned us on. And then you meet the person. But um, this is only just a little bit part of the process. But his tape and everything that he did at Iowa State and how, how well he played and how well he played the position, we really thought that he could really fit in well with our scheme. And, and uh, if we thought he was that good, we probably wouldn't have waited until the last pick. But uh, no, we, we liked him that much. And um, now now I've got to find a new quarterback. <laughs> yes, you do. And it's worth noting that Adam Peters said, quote, now I got to find a new quarterback, end quote. For anyone, and I don't know that there are many such people left, but for anyone thinking that the commanders might stick with Sam Howell as their QB1, might run it back <laughs> with Sam uh, well, the team's new general manager on Tuesday morning literally said, quote, now I got to find a new quarterback, end quote. Now, now I got to find a new quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, 
that's pretty clear cut, is it not? Now I got to find a new quarterback. Much more from Adam Peters and Dan Quinn in moments. But if you enjoy Commander's Conversation, always really good Commander's Conversation at bgobsession.com. Placate your burgundy and gold obsession at bgobsession.com. BG Obsession or BGO has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendships. So what are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com, home to your burgundy and gold obsession. Here was Dan Quinn on Tuesday evening on the most important traits to look for when searching for a quarterback. I'd say, number one, you better be really tough, mentally, physically tough, because there's going to be times when the person is open on the physical toughness. You got to stay in there to deliver it, you know, into the right spot. Um, I think you have to have the mental toughness to withstand all that's going on and keep your focus right here on the team, right with the group that you're with. Um, as far as like a performance side, I think you better show accuracy on the deep ball because when those moments for explosive plays are there, there's a, a single high coverage, it's a man-to-man, it's an all-out blitz, and you nail those moments, that's where the explosive plays are driven. So um, you certainly want to look for a quarterback who can get it out of a bad play. You know, in our NFL, it doesn't just all time up evenly. I think if you guys look at the stats, we had more mobile scrambling quarterbacks this year than maybe at any time over the last 20 years. And so a lot of that is when a play breaks down, they can go create and get on the move to go. And so how do you speed up when a blitz is coming and it's not there yet and you buy time to let that happen? Those are traits that are hard to measure they're not accuracy. How do you get out of a bad play? There's not a metric for that. How do you speed up a throw that the blitz is coming? It's not quite there yet, but you have to get rid of it early because you're about to get drilled. Those are things that you look for. And so that's why at that position, the tape, the tape, the tape, you have to find that. You have to get out of bad plays. You got to be able to speed up. You got to show that kind of toughness. And, um, there's all sorts of ways to look at it. I can certainly remember um, during my time in Atlanta inviting Ron Wolf down to training camp um, just so I could spend two days with him evaluating quarterbacks that were in that year's draft. What did you see and what did it look like? And I can remember we were watching one player and there was an interception and he had said, wind that back. And I was looking, thinking he was thinking about the interception. No, no, you can let it run now. And it was to see how hard was the player going after that had the interception? So, like, he wasn't looking at the mechanic of the throw. He was studying the person and the competitiveness of stuff. So I think there's a lot of details that go into that position. We'd probably have a really long press conference on it. But um, it's also what makes my job and Adam's job really fun, to make sure you're finding somebody with rare, unique stuff um, and then develop it over and over and over. Interesting to hear Dan Quinn bring up Ron Wolf. Ron Wolf was the Green Bay Packers executive vice president and general manager from November 1991 to June 2001. And one of the things that Ron Wolf is famous for is like stacking quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, Wolf presided over 10 NFL drafts for the Packers, 1992 through 2001. The Packers took a quarterback in seven of those 10 drafts. Uh, Those quarterbacks included Ty Detmer in the ninth round of the 1992 draft, future Redskins quarterback Mark Brunel in the fifth round of the 1993 draft, Matt Hasselbeck in the sixth round of the 1998 draft, Virginia product Aaron Brooks in the fourth round of the 1999 draft. And remember, most of this was happening as the Packers had a true franchise quarterback in Brett Favre. Uh, Ron Wolf was ahead of his time in recognizing the importance of having quarterback options. Uh, what about trading up to find a quarterback? It does feel like the Chicago Bears are going to trade quarterback Justin Fields and are not going to trade their number one overall pick in the 2024 draft and are going to take Caleb Williams with that pick. But what if the Bears are open to trading that number one overall pick? Or what if Caleb pulls a power play and makes it clear that he does not want to be drafted by the Bears? For what it's worth, this was Bears general manager Ryan Poles during his session with reporters on Tuesday morning. 
What is your, if you decide to draft a quarterback, what is your motivation to trade Justin before free agency starts, knowing that there might be a premium on that? Yeah, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this, um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information, we'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. All right, so Ryan Poles indicated that the Bears, if they're going to take a quarterback with their number one overall pick in the 2024 draft, would trade Justin Fields before free agency. Uh, Well, free agency begins in less than two weeks. We have the legal tempering period beginning on Monday, March 11th. We have the start of the new league year on Wednesday, March 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, The new league year is when signings of external free agents from other teams can officially happen and is when trades can officially happen. So we should find out soon what the Bears are doing with that number one overall pick. Uh, Adam Peters on Tuesday morning on if he wants to be involved in trade talks with the Bears, if they are willing to trade their number one overall pick. Really with any anything that could happen in this league you always want to be involved in it right you whether you actually pull the trigger or not that's a different story but you always want to understand what people are looking to do what they're doing whether it's trading down to 28 and i don't know who 28 is so don't like think i got some master plan or you know trading anywhere whether it's a player or not so you always want to be involved in any of those things whether you actually pull the trigger at the end that's when you gather all your information and make the best decision for the team Well, Adam Peters with the Niners was part of a Niners front office that made a very bad (laughs) trade-up for a quarterback in an NFL draft. March 26, 2021, the Niners acquired the number three overall pick in the 2021 draft from the Miami Dolphins in exchange for the Niners' 2021 first-round pick, pick number 12 overall, 2022 and 2023 first-round picks, and a 2022 compensatory third round pick and the Niners with that number three overall pick in the 2021 draft took quarterback Trey Lance. Uh, That trade did not work out for the Niners, although it says a lot that the Niners made that bad of a trade and yet still had at least 10 wins in each of the next three regular seasons, 2021 through 2023. But this was Adam Peters on Tuesday morning on what he has learned in evaluating quarterbacks for NFL drafts over the years. I think, yeah, you learn more and more every time you do it, and most of them are mistakes. I feel like it's really hard to evaluate quarterbacks, but um, you just try to get better and try to understand what you did the last time that was really good, what you did last time that was really bad, different processes. Hopefully there's not a whole lot of bad things that you did, but you always learn. Um, and so it's constantly evolving, and, and I don't think you know anybody has the magic pill to understand that one. Um, it, you know, if they do... Let me know. I'll hire him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's it. Just keep learning every year you do it. Well, whether the commanders should be willing to trade up from two to one in the 2024 draft depends on how they evaluate the quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, right? Do Adam Peters and company love Caleb Williams and not really like any other quarterback in the 2024 draft? If that's the case, then the team should be willing to trade up from two to one. Uh, But do Peters and company have questions about Williams and or really like Drake May and or Jaden Daniels and or J.J. McCarthy of Michigan? Uh, If that's the case, then the team should stay at two or even trade down. But when it comes to Caleb Williams, the product of Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C., the commanders, of course, have access to special intel. Their new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury, was USC's senior offensive analyst for the 2023 season. Adam Peters on Tuesday morning on what he has learned about Caleb Williams from Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> and then you'll hear Peters pivot to talking about Sam Howell. Really, Cliff and I haven't talked too much specifically on him. We really just talked about quarterback play in general um, and what he looks for in quarterbacks and how we can find that right fit for him if that's what we're going to do. And certainly that hasn't been decided yet by any stretch of the imagination. We still have a lot of work to do. What we're going to do, whether it's that pick or later, uh, we really like what we have in Sam right now. So we're really excited about that too. I had a 
uh, great. It's fun, funny. I learned this from John Lynch. When you're sitting in your office all day, you kind of just get in this rut where you're just like it's dark. You got all these weird lights, and you need to get out. So Sam came to the, the facility a couple weeks ago and got a chance to hang out. And instead of sitting in my office, we just took a walk. Took a walk around uh, uh, Commanders Park and uh, around the fields and got to know him a little bit better. So I feel really good about him too. So um, we got a lot of different things we can do, but still really excited about him. So how about that? Adam Peters <laughs> somehow turned a question about what he has learned about Caleb Williams from Cliff Kingsbury into talking about taking a walk <laughs> with Sam Howell. That was impressive. Uh, what does Adam Peters truly think about Sam's 2023 season? We all know what happened with Sam this past season. He did start all 17 of the Commander's games in the 2023 regular season, although he was not supposed to. Uh, he, in December, technically did get benched in favor of Jacoby Brissett, but Jacoby ended up never starting a game due to a hamstring injury. Uh, Sam, for a while, was doing pretty well, all things considered, but his season then cratered. Uh, we on this podcast have talked about the possibility of the commanders trading Sam this offseason. We on Monday's show, episode 770, had as a guest pro football focus salary cap analyst Brad Spielberger, and he said that the commanders could get a fourth round pick for Sam, maybe even a third round pick for Sam. Personally, I would like for the commanders to keep Sam, who still has two seasons left on his uh, ultra cheap rookie contract as a fifth round pick in the 2022 draft. Until the commanders truly have quarterback figured out, they should be retaining and developing as many young quarterbacks with upside as possible. And I do still believe that Sam has upside. But what if Adam Peters for the 2024 season with a newly drafted quarterback wants a veteran? as the QB2, or even placeholder QB1. Uh, this was Peters on Tuesday morning on if he would like to have a veteran quarterback on the Commanders for the 2024 season. I think, you know, as it pertains to quarterbacks or any meeting room, you want to have the best competition and as many good players as you can to, to, make the be- to have the best team. Um, talking about San Francisco a couple years ago, we needed what four, Jennifer? Maybe five at the end, and so you need a lot. A lot of, a lot of stuff can happen. So I think you always want to make every single meeting room as strong as it possibly can be, whether it's quarterback or defensive end. Okay, so a non-answer answer from Adam Peters right there. I'd say a few things about the need for the Commanders to have a veteran quarterback on the roster for the 2024 season. First of all, the true need in terms of quarterback depth for an NFL team is to have multiple quarterbacks with whom the team can win so that a significant injury to the starter does not ruin the team's season. And I say multiple because two isn't necessarily the number. Three is the optimal number. Now, an NFL team having three quarterbacks with whom the team can win is easier said than done. I get that. But the way to be thinking is to have true quarterback depth. You want true quarterback depth. Second of all, I don't think that the commanders, assuming that they get a quarterback in the first round of the 2024 draft, have to have a veteran quarterback on the roster for next season. I think that this notion that rookie slash young quarterbacks have to be paired with veteran quarterbacks is overrated. Uh, That's not to say that a veteran quarterback can't help. Like, I do think that there's legitimacy to the idea that Jacoby Brissett helped Sam Howell this past season. But, you know, (laughs) that help only went so far because, like I said, Sam's season unraveled as it went on. The help from Jacoby, the guidance from Jacoby, the wisdom of Jacoby, uh, that stuff only went so far. The commander's coaching staff is currently constructed, has a number of coaches with experience working with and developing quarterbacks. Principal among those coaches, offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury and assistant head coach slash offensive pass game coordinator Brian Johnson. Those guys should provide the help and guidance and wisdom for whichever quarterback the commanders get via the first round of the 2024 draft to say nothing of other people on the coaching staff, like quarterbacks coach Tavita Pritchard and assistant quarterbacks coach David Blau. Both Tavita Pritchard and David Blau are talked about as maybe being future NFL offensive coordinators. The onus is on these coaches to help and guide 
and provide wisdom uh, for whichever quarterback the commanders get via the first round of the 2024 draft. So I don't think that it is a must that the commanders have a veteran quarterback on the roster for next season. I'm not against the team having a veteran quarterback on the roster for next season, but I'm not insistent on it. I would not have a problem if the commander's quarterback setup for next season was whoever is drafted in the first round of the 2024 draft, Sam Howell and Jake Fromm. Yes, don't forget about Jake Fromm. Uh, He is still on the team. But a quarterback setup of whoever is drafted in the first round of the 2024 draft, Sam Howell and Jake Fromm, I'd be fine with that. Uh, There's also this. Jacoby Brissett is set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. If you are him, why would you resign with the commanders who seemingly are about to go all in on a quarterback taken in the first round of the 2024 draft and may well be retaining Sam Howell? If you are any free agent veteran quarterback this offseason, why would you sign with the commanders this offseason if they are about to go all in on a quarterback taken in the first round of the 2024 draft and may well be retaining Sam Howell? Something to think about as we continue to move along the quarterback path for our football team this offseason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, the Capitals on Tuesday night concluded stretches of three games in four days and five games in eight days, and the Caps concluded these stretches with a blowout loss, an 8-3 loss at the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday night. The loss ended the Caps' five-game point streak. The Caps for this NHL regular season now are 27-22-9 and have 63 points, good for fifth in the eight-team Metropolitan Division. Uh, Yes, this game on Tuesday night was the Caps' third game in four days. And yes, the Caps are missing a number of players right now due to injuries slash illness. The Caps on Tuesday night remained without wingers TJ Oshie and Sonny Milano, remained without centers Nicholas Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Nick Dowd, and remained without defensemen Martin Fehervari and Nick Jensen. But This game on Tuesday night also was the Red Wings' third game in four days, and yet the Caps got smashed. Uh, The Red Wings won their sixth consecutive game. The Caps gave up their most goals in a regular season game since April 1st, 2021. Uh, The Caps lost the first period 2-0, lost the second period 3-2, and lost the third period 3-2. 3-1. Charlie Lindgren was the Caps' starting goaltender for a 13th time in 19 games. He stopped just 23 of the 31 
shots on goal that he faced. Lindgren was not good. He per natural stat trick stopped just eight of the 11 high danger shots on goal that he faced. Stopped just two of the six medium danger shots on goal that he faced and stopped eight of the nine low danger shots on goal that he faced. Interesting game from a puck possession battle standpoint. The Caps had just 21 shots on goal to the Red Wings, 31, including over the first two periods having just 11 shots on goal to the Red Wings, 23. But the Caps for the game per natural stat trick had 57 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Red Wings, 45. So the Caps in 5-on-5 play actually weren't bad. Uh, The Caps were very mixed on special teams. Did go 1-2 on the power play. Third line left wing, Max Pat already scored an unassisted power play goal 709 into the third period, giving him a power play goal in each of two consecutive games. But the Caps gave up a shorthanded goal, 1947 into the second period, and the Caps went just 2-3 or three on the penalty kill. Top line left wing Alex Ovechkin did have a decent game off his really bad game in the 6-3 win over the Ottawa Senators at Capital One Arena on Monday night. Ovi on Tuesday night had a primary assist, a game-high tying five shots on goal and a team-high eight total shot attempts. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) the Caps lost at the Red Wings 8-3. I tell you, the Caps this season do just enough to make you think that they might make the Stanley Cup playoffs, but get hammered enough to make you think that a full rebuild is needed. I mean, the Caps for this regular season now have the third worst goal differential in the Eastern Conference at minus 33. Next up for the Caps are two games this weekend, home to the Philadelphia Flyers Friday night at 7 and home to the Arizona Coyotes Sunday afternoon at 1. Well, the Wizards have one more chance to not go winless in this month of February, and that chance is this Thursday night, what is Leap Day night, February 29th. It is a good thing that this is a leap year, otherwise our tanking and rebuilding Wizards would already be over for February. Tuesday night, a 123-112 loss to the Golden State Warriors at Capital One Arena. This was the Wizards' 12th consecutive loss. They, for this NBA regular season now, are 9-49 and and now are tied with the Detroit Pistons for the worst record in the NBA. The Pistons on Tuesday night won a 105-95 win at the Chicago Bulls. Uh, The Wizards for this game against the Warriors on Tuesday night were without some key players. Bilal Koulibaly did not play due to a right pelvis contusion that he suffered in the Wizards' 114-105 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers at Capital One Arena this past Sunday evening. Denny Avdia did not play for a third consecutive game due to a left heel contusion. Also, Isaiah Livers now is officially done. The Wizards on Monday evening announced that Livers is done for the rest of the regular season due to joint capsule inflammation in his right hip. He was acquired by a trade on January 14th, never played in a game for the Wizards this season. Uh, The Wizards on Tuesday night did get back Corey Kispert. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a non-COVID illness. Kispert in 33 minutes, 22 seconds as a starter, went 4-9 on threes, 4-6 on twos, and 0-1 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 5 assists versus 3 turnovers, 3 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Uh, The Wizards in this game blew a nine-point first quarter lead, trailed for all of the third and fourth quarters, including trailing by at least 10 points for all of the fourth quarter. Uh, The Wizards lost the third quarter 38-17. The Wizards this season have been so bad (laughs) in the third quarters of games. Uh, The Wizards actually outscored the Warriors in the paint 56-42, but went just 12-35 on threes and allowed the Warriors to go 21-46 on threes. Also, the Wizards committed 21 turnovers. Now, the Warriors did commit 19 turnovers, but Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole each had six of the Wizards' 21 
one turnovers. Kyle Kuzma in 37 minutes, 47 seconds as a starter, went just one of four on threes, committed six turnovers, and had a game-worst time plus-minus rating of minus 16. Now, he did go 11 to 17 on twos and two of two on free throws, did finish with 27 points, 12 rebounds, and two assists. But Jordan Poole, the former Warrior, uh, he off his very nice game in the Wizards' loss to the Cavaliers on Sunday evening was that good on Tuesday night. 29 minutes, 22 seconds off the bench, just 5 of 17 from the field, just a 2 of 8 on threes and just 3 of 9 on twos. And he committed 6 turnovers. He did also finish with 12 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, and a team best tying plus minus rating of plus 8. Uh, two bright spots for the Wizards on Tuesday night. Tyus Jones and Marvin Bagley III. The Tyus Jones assist to turnover ratio show <laughs> continued. Uh, Jones in 36 minutes, 23 seconds as a starter had 17 assists versus just one turnover. Yeah, 17 assists versus just one turnover. He went one of four on threes, five of seven on twos, and one of one on free throws. Also finished with 14 points, six rebounds, and two steals. Tyus Jones remains number one among all qualified NBA players in assist to turnover ratio for this regular season. That ratio now is at 7.56. He has 416 assists versus just 55 turnovers. I don't know what to make of this because the Wizards are really bad. Tyus Jones is a part of that. We are in this hyper-inflated offensive era in the NBA, but still, I feel like this is pretty impressive, right? An NBA best assist to turnover ratio for this regular season of 7.56 for Tyus Jones. And then Marvin Bagley the third, 32 minutes, 56 seconds as a starter, one of one on three, seven of 10 on twos, and three of three on free throws. He finished with 20 points, nine rebounds, including three offensive boards, two blocks, two assists versus one turnover, and a team best tying plus minus rating of plus eight. Next up for the Wizards, a three-game trip out west, beginning with a game on Thursday night. The Wizards are at the Los Angeles Lakers, Thursday night at 10.30. So we on Tuesday night had the Capitals losing by five goals. We had the Wizards losing by 11 points. And we in college basketball had Georgetown and Virginia Tech each losing by double-digit points. Uh, Georgetown for this season fell to 9-19 and overall and 2-15 and in the Big East with a 75-47 loss at Villanova on Tuesday evening. Yes, 75-47. The Hoyas lost the game by 28 points, lost the first half 43-19, and trailed by at least 18 points for all of the second half. Uh, the Hoyas defense, really bad. Uh, they allowed Villanova to go 13-27 on threes and 12-20 on twos and finished with 19 assists versus nine turnovers. And the Hoyas offense was really bad. They scored just 47 points, went just 7 of 26 on threes and just 7 of 25 on twos as the Hoyas got outscored in the paint 24-12. A brutal game for the Hoyas' best scorer, the 6-2 Illinois transfer, Jaden Epps. He in 33 minutes as a starter, did not make a single shot from the field. He went 0-4 on threes and 0-3 on twos, and he committed four turnovers. He went 6-7 on free throws and finished with six points, three assists, three rebounds, and two steals. The only Hoyas player who scored in double figures was 6-6 North Carolina transfer Dontrez Stiles. He in 38 minutes as a starter, went 3-6 on threes, 3-5 on twos, and 1-1 one one on free throws. He finished with 16 points, seven rebounds, including three offensive boards and two assists versus two turnovers. Next up for Georgetown, home to Xavier Saturday evening at 7.30. Virginia Tech, it for this season, fell to 15-13 and 13 overall and 7-10 and 10 in the ACC with an 84-71 loss at Syracuse on Tuesday night. Yet another blow to whatever NCAA tournament hopes the Hokies had. Uh, they now have lost six of their last 
eight games. Tech trailed by at least seven points for all of the second half. The Hokies held Syracuse to just four of 13 on threes, but allowed the Cuse to score 54 points in the paint. Syracuse went 30 of 47 on twos. Tech got ripped by 6-4 Judah Mintz, uh, who is a local. Uh, Judah Mintz went to Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C., and then went to Oak Hill Academy in Mouth of Wilson, Virginia. Uh, Mintz in 40 minutes as a starter, one of three on threes, nine of 14 on twos, and eight of eight on free throws. He finished with 29 points, six assists versus two turnovers, three steals, and three rebounds. Uh, Now, the Hokies did score 50 points in the paint, went 25 of 43 on twos, but went just six to 20 on threes. Two standouts for Tech, Sean Padula and Lynn Kidd. Six-one point guard Sean Padula, 38 minutes as a starter, two of four on threes, five of nine on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 18 points, four assists versus three turnovers, four rebounds, and two steals. And the six 10 center Lynn Kidd, 28 minutes as a starter, 8 of 9 from the field, all twos. He finished with 16 points, 8 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards, and 1 assist versus 2 turnovers. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to Wake Forest, Saturday evening at 5.30. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 773. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk college basketball. Maryland is home to Northwestern Wednesday night at 7. Virginia is at Boston College Wednesday night at 9. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Now, now I've got to find a new quarterback. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.